So we are now in week three of our series on Psalm 23, and we've talked about David. And David is the author of this song, and what we've seen throughout is, and if you know anything about his life, you know that he has these incredible highs and these very tragic lows. And he writes Psalm 23 from a very unique position because in his teenage years, he had experience as a shepherd. He, he shepherded the flocks of the family. And it's interesting uh, for those of you who, uh, who are in you know, middle stages of life, towards the end of your life, there's something about those formative years, those jobs that you get, the first and the second job that you get in junior high and high school that leave an impression with you, right? And for some of you, you remember um, going down deep into the mines and hauling rocks on your back barefoot, making five cents an hour, right, to provide for the family. Like, whatever your job might have been back in the day, like, you, you never forget that. And, and jobs like that build character, right? And there's so many times that we think back on those seasons of life for whatever reason. And so David, with, with the ebbs and flows of his life, looks back to his days as a shepherd. And he, he recalls and he compares that to the Lord, how it is the Lord that brought him to these great heights as a king, that it, was, it is the Lord that at times brought him low, but even in bringing him low, would walk him through those very difficult seasons of his life. And so what we've done so far in, in each of the times that we have met is we've read through Psalm 23 together, okay? So let's, um, that'll be up on the screens. If you guys want to read that with me, you've been great at it so far. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All right, so the passage that we'll be looking at this morning is verse 3. He restores my soul. And so we're going to talk about this in, in two different sections. And so within the church, and I think even in like Western culture, we have a way of, of sort of dividing everything. It's like we have these different areas of our lives and we kind of address it differently. So the way that we would tend to think of, um, of ourselves as like mind, body, and spirit, we tend to break those up into segments. If we're going to take care of our body, we need to exercise. We need to run. We need to lift. If we want to take care of our mind, okay, we need to break a mental sweat, read a book, look up a word in a dictionary, whatever your thing is. If we want to feed our spirit, uh, we're going to pray, we're going to meditate. And so we kind of tend to separate those different aspects of our lives as Westerners. When the truth is, all of those are created. All of those are, are interwoven and affect the other, right? So if there, is, if there is turmoil in our lives, like if our, if our spirits are at a place where we just have unrest, um, that, that makes us think about it. That causes us stress. And stress has a, a way of affecting the body. And so the true sense of of soul, right? The true sense of the word soul as we read in this passage that he restores my soul. The true sense is that we are one, that we are one being. Every, every part of us 
is, is a soul. Our, our body makes up our soul. Our spirit makes up our soul. Our mind makes up our soul. And so this is more of a, more of kind of a ancient Western kind of thinking, or excuse me, ancient Eastern kind of thinking. And this is more of what David is talking about here, is that the Lord restores our soul. And so any soul that needs to be restored is not doing well, right? I think that we can agree on that. And so when, when David wrote, David wrote multiple psalms over the course of his life. He was sort of a, this poet and this author, um, almost in the same way that John Lennon was, um, except David believed in God and didn't experiment with a variety of drugs. Um, I, I don't know if David ever saw Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, okay? That's a, we'd have to ask him about that when we see him in heaven. But um, in addition to a lot of the psalms that he wrote, David wrote Psalm 42. And in verse 11, this is what he, he said. As he's going through a very difficult time, David writes, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? David is addressing his own soul, speaking within himself, basically saying, What's wrong? Like, why are you, why are you cast down like this? And then he, in a way, almost commands his soul. He says, Hope in God. For I shall, begin, I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And so when, when we hear that word, cast down, there might be some things that come to mind. We might think of, of someone's face being, being sort of looking down, uh, being disappointed. You might notice something in their posture. Is someone who is downcast or cast down. But what you, what you might not know is that this is actually a, a shepherding term that David is using. A cast-down sheep, okay? A cast-down sheep is a sheep that is stuck on its back, okay? It is a sheep that can't go anywhere. It is a sheep that its legs are just pointing straight up in the air, and it can't go anywhere or do anything, right? It takes on a whole new meaning, I've fallen and I can't get up, right? It's not just a popular commercial, but it's the reality for a sheep. And so a sheep on its back is not a good thing. Um, and it's, it's not a good thing in a lot of different ways. One of the problems is if a sheep falls over on its back and can't get up, is that it begins to bleat. It begins to call for help. And any call for help can alert nearby predators, right? So if they hear a sheep that's on its own, that it's calling for help, uh, any wolves in the area would hear that as the dinner bell, right? That, that mutton is on the menu for lunch. So that's the problem with predators. And another thing is, as a sheep is trapped on its back, there's these gases that somehow build up within inside of the sheep that cut off their circulation to the rest of their body and basically can, can suffocate them. And so on, on an overcast, rainy day, a sheep stuck on its back may last a couple days. On a really hot summer day where the sun's beating down, that sheep may last just a few hours. And so any, any cast-down sheep is in immediate attention from the shepherd. And, this, and what the shepherd does, what a good shepherd does, is when they see a sheep cast down in a field, they will rush to it as fast as they can. They will roll that sheep over and reestablish their footing, right? Get them back on firm foundation, flip them over, roll them over. And so this is a great picture of what the Lord restoring our soul looks like, right? That whatever situation that we are in, uh, we need to sort of, the Lord to flip that situation for us, that we need to be flipped over and get back on our own feet. And so 
the things that cause a sheep, this is interesting, there's a couple things that, that cause sheep to get in this position, okay? Um, one of those things is that uh, sheep are often cast down or cast uh, over uh, when they find a spot that is too comfortable, right? When they find a spot that's too comfortable, they don't want to go anywhere. Um, another way is that their wool is too heavy, if their wool gets too heavy and they tip over, or if they get too fat, right? If they get too fat. So in some ways, this, there's a lot of carryover and application to our own lives because sheep, they can get too comfortable, and if they, if they never want to move and they want to just stay and feed in one place, this can be detrimental to the sheep and to the ground that they are working with because the way that sheep eat grass is they don't just bite the top of the grass, but instead when they go to bite it, they pull the grass up from the root. And so sheep staying in one place for too long can actually, over time, destroy the ground that they are on, right? So it's good for the sheep, it's good for the ground, and it's good even for what the shepherd intends, that the sheep be moved, right? That they be on this rotation. And, and so for, for you and I, it's easy to get comfortable, right? We work our whole lives so that we can be comfortable, right? That we, uh, we have dedicated ourselves to something for so long. We work hard in order that we can sort of live the easy life. We, we make sacrifices along the way so that we can have the easy life. And sometimes it's at the cost of what Jesus can really have for us. Um, the truth is, is that as a shepherd needs to change, um, as the shepherd needs to rotate his sheep, there are certain changes in our lives that we need to experience as well. If you remember the story of the rich young ruler that came to Jesus, we don't know much about him, we don't know his name, we know that he's rich, we know that he is young. This is a mark of great success for this young man. Uh, for, for most people, uh, the way that they have money is that they have, they've built a business, they have saved up, they have worked hard their entire lives, they have uh, stored so much away for retirement, and it's in their later years that they can enjoy the fruits of all of that hard work. Uh, but for this man, he is young. He, he, already, he has his youth. He has his green. He, uh, maybe he's already bought a Lamborghini. We don't know. But uh, I don't know what the first century equivalent of a Lamborghini is, if that's a camel with three humps or two humps. I don't know. But um, I, had a, I had a friend who's from Egypt. We went to school together. And people asked him if he had a camel back home in Egypt. And he said, he said, oh, yeah, I have two. The one with two humps I take out on the weekends. So <laughs> I always thought that was a good line. So we, we know that this rich young ruler, he goes to Jesus and he asks him, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, okay, you've, you've obeyed these commands. You've done this. You've done this. And, and the, the rich young man says, yes, I've done all of those things. And Jesus, knowing that his heart was attached uh, to this comfortable life, to his wealth. He says, go and give away everything and follow me. And, and if you know the story, this young man goes away very sad because he had great possessions. And it was implied that this is something that he couldn't let go uh, because he had, this was his identity. This is who he was. And he was dedicated to living this comfortable life um, and in turn missing out on Jesus. And so um, sometimes sheep fall over or cast down because... They get too comfortable, and sometimes their wool, their coat of wool is too heavy. The larger their coat gets, it can collect sticks, it can collect leaves and mud and manure and all of these different things. Um, I saw this picture of a sheep back in 2021, I think, and uh, this, this sheep had an 80-pound coat of wool on its back. 
Like, can you imagine carrying around 80 pounds just on a day-to-day basis, right? If someone were to push you over, like my legs aren't that strong. Buddy's legs are probably strong enough to handle that, but not me, right? So anybody would easily get tipped over if they were carrying that much on their back. And, and for a sheep, uh, wool is sort of just this symbol of, of pride and dignity, and even, even that's a theme throughout the Old Testament, that any, anyone wearing wool, it was a representation of, of their pride, their, their self-perception, right? Their esteem and, and their own personal glory. Um, and we all know that pride can lead to so much downfall and demise. We know people who are guilty of pride. Uh, we have secretly rejoiced in their downfall, if we're honest, because no one likes pride. Like, no one, no one um, despises it more in others and yet fails to see it in themselves, right? Because we're all guilty of this. It is, it is pride that causes road rage. It is pride uh, that causes attacks, whether that be verbal or physical. It is pride that, that creates murders. Pride is just the root of all offense. It is pride uh, that was at the root of the original sin because Adam and Eve believed that God was holding out on them. That, that, they, that they should have more, that they deserve this, that, they, that God shouldn't hold out on them. And so pride is something that, that we all need to be very uh, careful of in our own lives. And so it's easy to see where have, carrying around this air about ourselves can cause us to fall over. And so the last thing, that uh, last way that a sheep can easily get cast down is if they are too fat, right? If they're too fat, uh, the wool's not too much, uh, they're not... The, the ground isn't too comfortable, but they just get too fat. And what the Lord wants from us is he wants us to, to be disciplined. And the way that the Lord does that is he leads us in these paths of righteousness, right? So this sort of flows into the very next thing. The way that he wants to discipline us is he wants us to create uh, just this sense where, uh, where we pursue him with all that we have. And that takes us following him down these paths of righteousness. And so the next part of this verse says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And if there's anything that our world needs, that our world could use, that our world would change, is if people walked in paths of righteousness. Like if people in the church could do it, if people in our community, like how much would that uh, affect our families? How much would that change uh, the communities that we live in? How much would that heal our nation, but despite how much we want to do this, no matter how much our heart is in this, no matter how much we determine to do this, there's always something that pulls us off of that path, is there not? Like there's just almost this gravitational pull that that has it pulling us off of this path. And and his plan for us in in this world is is not that we would live the super disciplined life where uh, we're just in fear constantly that he's going to kill us in our sleep or drop a rock on our head or anything like that. Uh, but instead, his, his hope for us is, is that we would have this internal change, that we'd have this, this transformation of the heart, uh, rooted in joy, delighting in him, right? And not to say that discipline doesn't play a part. He wants both, right? And so one, one really simple example that, that I give of this is uh, I have a habit of drinking a glass of water every day, every morning, Right? Very simple, it doesn't take any talent to do that, but, but I, I know that it's something that's good for me, it's healthy for me. And as I drink that glass of water, sometimes I think, okay, this is, this is good for, to hydrate my mind, it, it moisturizes my skin, it helps with digestion, like countless benefits to drinking water in the morning, right? So sometimes I think on those things as I'm drinking my water, 
But then sometimes I just do it because I know I'm supposed to do it, right? I know I'm supposed to do it. And something like that, sometimes we do things because we know that it will maximize our life. It will help us live life to the fullest. And other times we just sort of do it because, eh, we're supposed to. And so there, there are times that we find joy and delight in the salvation that we have in Christ. Right? Sometimes we genuinely, we want to walk down those paths that the Lord has for us. We want to walk these paths of righteousness. But then there's sometimes that, that we don't. And it takes a little bit of discipline. It takes a little bit of habit for us to stay on those trails. Um, those things, both of those things are good for us. Right? Trying to find a balance with those things. And, and we know that God is for us. We know that God is leading us in those paths. Because Jesus says in John chapter 10 verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And so not only does Jesus lead us in those paths, um, but he's willing to die for us to, to give us that. Not only does he lead us in paths of righteousness, but in his death on the cross, when he went to the cross to become the ultimate sacrifice for us, he gave us his righteousness. So he gives us his righteousness, and he takes our sin from us, which uh, is the worst exchange rate in the universe for him, but it is the deal of a lifetime for us. Amen? So my, uh, my brother-in-law, Josh, uh, I reached out to him this past week thinking, thinking about this exchange rate. And um, he collected baseball cards whenever he was a kid. I'm sure many of you did. And he would often arrange these deals with his friends that were incredibly unfair. Um, so it would be a deal sort of like, hey, I'll trade you your Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card with my uh, relief pitcher Cliff O'Malley. Who was that? Exactly, right? And so he would arrange these deals with his friends, and he would convince them that they were a good deal. Like he would undervalue their card and overvalue his card. And as soon as the deal would close, he would do what he called the ripoff walk. And he would stare them down and do that right there. And, um, and I, I thought about this week because I think about the exchange that Jesus makes with us. Is that he gives us his righteousness, his pure, uh, powerful, transformative righteousness and what do we have to give him in return? All of our sin, uh, all of our, our you know, muckiness, everything just awful about us. We give that to him, and he gives us his righteousness. And, and the, the, the difference here is that as we, you and I, are doing the rip-off walk, he is doing the rip-off walk with us in celebration. Because that, that is the good shepherd that he is. That is the grace and the mercy that he extends to us every single day as he leads us down these paths of righteousness, as he restores our soul by, by picking us up off the ground, flipping us over, putting us on a diet if we need it, clipping us of our pride if we need that, and moving us to places that might be a little too comfortable for us. And so my, my question or questions for you this morning is, is this. Are you on the path that God has for you? Right? Do, you, do you feel stuck? Uh, do you feel like pride is keeping you from going to the places where God wants you to go? What, what are the needs that you have this morning? Are, are you struggling with something? Do you need help? 
What do you need? Where, where are you at a place? Do you, do you need the Lord to, to pick you up off your back and set you on firm foundation, to put your, your feet on firm foundation? It, it is His good work and it is His desire that you be led into, into paths of righteousness, into just this, this fullness of life. And the way that you get there is by following Him. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that, that you restore our souls, that in those moments where we are flat on our back, where we are helpless, where we feel like there's nothing that we can do when we feel stuck, uh, it is you that changes that situation. It is you that flips that situation uh, back on its feet. And so, Lord, I pray that you would, you would make us people uh, that, that walk down those paths of righteousness, uh, not sort of this white-knuckle, roughing through it, discipline, Lord, but that you would give us hearts that genuinely delight and find joy in you, and that we would embrace this reality that we have been given the righteousness of Christ. And in that righteousness, we have the, the power, we have the ability uh, to walk with you daily and to walk in the fullness of life that you have for us, Father. And so, um, transform us, change us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.